Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Comics and Culture Radar, a podcast that's on the lookout for what's good to read and watch. If you don't know who Milton is, let's ask Kiefer Sutherland's father what he thinks. Don't write this down, but I find Milton probably as boring as you find Milton. He's a little bit long-winded. He doesn't translate very well into our generation, and his jokes are terrible. This episode, Milton's guests are Riley Dashiell Beale and Dalen Ogden, part of the creative team for Miranda in the Maelstrom. Riley is the series writer and Dalen is the artist for issue number two. The first arc of the series is being collected in a trade paperback collection, coming soon. Riley and Dalen, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, you guys are here mainly to talk about the upcoming trade paperback collection, uh, Miranda in the Maelstrom, the project you guys have collaborated on. Uh, but before we get into the specifics of, of that, let's let's back up a little bit and just talk generally about how you guys got into comics and how um, you guys uh, got into this particular project. Um, I, let me start with you first, Riley. Uh, how did you first come to comics writing? Uh, well, you know, I've, you know, done writing my uh, whole life since I was a kid. I uh, went to school for uh, creative writing, majored there and that. Um, and, you know, for a long time, I really had no clue where I was going to go with it. I actually thought I would, you know, try to do playwriting for a while. That was something I did a lot in school. Uh, comics writing, you know, it didn't really, you know, it, it seemed so like, you know, at a point in my life, seemingly gay like you know writing plays for broadway seemed more realistic than doing like comics and stuff and then it was you know maybe more like 10 years ago eight years ago that you know i there was you know big resurgence in the you know indie market and a lot more people you know were doing things and i just kind of slowly started paying more attention at cons uh met a few friends of course uh Brittany matter the editor on the book I worked with her at uh, one of my day jobs, copywriting at uh, Zulily. And, uh, you know, I met her and a few other friends there and they were all, you know, comics writers, comics fans. And it just, you know, being around people like that and then, you know, kind of paying more attention to the, you know, indie market, it just began to seem a lot more possible to me. And so I started doing it, uh, started, you know, had all sorts of different scripts, uh, you know, didn't finish all of them, but, you know, eventually uh, found my way to Miranda and, you know, just never stopped with that one. Same question for you. Uh, how did you become an artist? 
Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> that's such a big question. Um, well, you know, I the answer that I always give people is just that I've been drawing since I could pick up a pencil. Um, it's always been a part of my life. Um, and uh, it's a it's a skill that I've just sort of leaned into and practiced for you know, as long as I've had the motor skills to do it. Um, but uh, comics specifically is actually something that I didn't really get into until uh, later on in my sort of artistic journey, so to speak. I, um, I went to a, an art college and, you know, it was one of those things where like I went into it fresh out of high school. I knew it was the thing that I was like really good at doing and wanted to pursue, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Um, by this point, I had like a pretty big background in reading manga, um, but I wasn't, you know, it had never really occurred to me that comics would could be like a viable career path. I think it's sort of the same thing that Riley was going through where like because comics are often considered kind of like a like a fun, lighthearted, easy piece of media. It's almost like we assume that we assume that like people just make them for fun too <laughs> instead of like making them as a career. Um, but uh, all that to say, I, uh, I went through most of my college career, still not really sure what I wanted to do uh, artistically, but just knowing that I wanted to make art professionally and then um in my second to last or maybe yeah like second to last year my junior year of college um there was a an internship at an upcoming comics studio that opened up and you know like I said I had a background in manga I love to I'm also a writer on top of being an artist um and so it sort of clicked for me that like oh wait like maybe maybe that would be like a viable thing that I can at least try doing if not make a career out of, you know, what if I, what if I tell stories and make art to go with those stories and just kind of see where that takes me. Uh, and anyway, that internship was a garbage fire nightmare. <laughs> um, uh -oh. But the nice thing that it did was it actually got me into Denver Comic-Con for the first time, uh, which is now, I believe now they're going by Denver Pop Culture Con or Denver fan expo or something uh they keep changing their name but either way it got me into that now show you, for the first you, time you both mm -hmm. oh and i was just gonna say from there i started connecting with a community that made me feel like comics and you know sort of uh advertising my work at conventions and meeting people that way was actually like a like a viable path i could go down Cool, cool. And in those early days, um, were you mainly uh, selling pinups or did you have any indie uh, sequential comics of your own? Um, yeah, so I still kind of primarily do uh, pinup illustration. Uh, sequential art is really hard on me, like physically. Um, it's a it's a very uh, like labor intensive art form. <laughs> um, so I try and be a little bit uh, selective nowadays, especially about uh, what comics I work on and for who. Um, but uh, I got my start doing mostly pinups and then from there started making my own comic, which is called uh, The Liminal, which is currently on a hiatus, but I'm hoping to get back to it this summer um, after a little bit of time off. 
Cool, cool. Now, you both mentioned um, having an educational background in disciplines that are uh, integral to comics, but I'm betting probably both of you didn't have any specific instruction that was about comics, art, or writing? Uh, Personally, no. In fact, they started some comic book classes just after I graduated at my <laughs> Oh, of course. Yeah, I was so resentful and jealous of that. I even considered, like, you know, auditing the classes at the time. But, you know, I, I was just out of school and I you know, <laughs> was looking for work going back to school for no reason other than you know, taking comic classes was not a, you know, was not a viable option in the cards. But, yeah, I, I took that real personally at the time uh, that I got cheated out of there right at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's actually but exactly the, end the same of, uh, thing that happened to me. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did a lot of like playwriting uh, stuff in college, which I feel like was pretty close to comics. Like stage directions are not that different than panel descriptions. So I, I still, you know, got some good uh, good training in that. Yeah, there's definitely some overlap in skills so, there, and I, I didn't have any problems reading your scripts and interpreting them. Um, the same exact thing happened to me when I started that, offering the, the, sequentials right after I graduated. Um, so everything I know about comics is mostly from observation, from reading comics. I think that may have just been like a timing thing over the last, you know, 10 years or so, like as comics became a much more, you know, had a bit of a, a, you know, renaissance sort of a lot of, you know, academic classes and places probably gave them a lot more attention. And we just got to, got out of there too late or too early. Yeah. Just missed it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I have to, I have to think the, um, as Dalen mentioned, uh, being interested in manga, I think the rise of manga around that time period was probably a factor as well. Oh, for I'm sure. sure. Now, um, I have a question that would also probably be answerable by both of you guys, although it's a little bit more writing uh, focused. Um, when you guys work on projects, do do you find that inspiration comes uh to you uh right when you sit down um or do you have to uh force yourself on a schedule um or do you just not do anything until inspiration comes and you just ride that wave when it comes how how do you work for me um you know it kind of comes from a few different places like just to kind of get like a foundation of a story, you know, I will just have to sit down and, you know, write it, whether it, you know, whether I think it's good or bad. And, you know, as far as like an idea, like I'll usually get inspiration from someplace or another for where I want to start. And then, you know, but that'll just be an idea and then fleshing it out into like an actual story with real characters. That's going to take a little more discipline and time to kind of like sit down and go through it. And I found that, you know, a schedule, you know, will help me at a certain point, but until I kind of like crack a story, you know, it's just going to take a few goes. And then at some point when I'm least expecting it, like any kind of block I'm having or any scene that's not working, it's usually going to come to me later at a time when I'm not writing, like either when I'm asleep or like if I'm, you know, 
out walking my dog or something like that, you know, the, you know, once I stop thinking about something, that's when I, you know, tend to get really good inspiration. But as far as like sitting down and making something work, it just, you know, takes me a few tries at the, you know, at the desk to crack a code or something like that. And for you, Dalen? I feel like I get, I I do all of my best problem solving um, away from my desk. Uh, In terms of coming up with things, I find that I am uh, the best at doing that uh, as soon as I can't write something down. So if I'm walking the dog or taking a shower or laying in bed um, with all of the lights off, like those are the moments that um, really are uh, integral for me to uh to to crack a creative thing um because those are the moments when uh, i'm supposed to not be doing it (laughs) um uh, but all that to say it's definitely like a little bit of it's it's six of one and half dozen of the other you know it's like you you have to find kind of a balance between um working when you're not supposed to be working and working when you are supposed to be working and then actually genuinely taking time off to rest. Um, And between all three of those things, I think is where the most effective uh, story writing comes from when you're uh, managing to balance uh, that sort of like furative excitement when you've cracked the code in the middle of doing something else with uh, you know, actual scheduled productivity time and the time that you genuinely need to, to rest and recharge. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that 100%. I think there is a balance between sitting down and doing the work and then moments away from your desk when you're not working, when inspiration can really hit you. And if I was being, you know, 100% honest, I think I would say some of like, when something's not working for me and like I kind of find that like it's missing the right energy. The best place I often find is if like I'm like running on the treadmill, listening to some very bizarre music, usually some sort of J-pop anime theme songs tend to uh, (laughs) really help uh, shake things loose for me. And I, you know, that's uh, for Miranda. I think I got a lot of ideas while I was listening to something like that and just kind of, you know, going crazy a little bit. Yeah, that actually makes a is. that makes a lot of sense. That the the comic has that feel like a J-pop song is playing in the background. That's <laughs> it was a lot of the time when I was either writing or thinking about it. So yeah, I, <laughs> I'm glad that came through. So Dalen, what is your biggest challenge in creating comic art that you either previously had or you still have? Uh, you know, there's a, there's kind of a couple of, um, major issues that I run into time and time again. It's, uh, it's very much like a different headspace that you get into when you make sequential work versus anything else. Um, sequential art is one of those things where like, I tell people if they ask me, you know, like Dalen, how do I get better at drawing? Like I, I tell people like make a comic, like if you want to get good at drawing and you want to get faster at drawing, and you want to do both of those things fast, like comics are kind of the way to go. They're like, they're punishingly difficult, um, but they teach you a lot and they force you to use a lot of muscles that you don't use in other disciplines of illustration, um, especially, you know, drawing the same character a bunch of times consistently or um, drawing uh, a ton of backgrounds or, you know, a lot of these places and things that um, 
fledgling illustrators kind of shy away from because they are so challenging. Uh, for me, it's layouts, uh, getting into the the, the uh, mindset to actually plan comic pages and make them uh, flow properly and read properly and look pretty and be interesting and make sense. Like it's it's a lot of things that you really don't you really don't practice anywhere else. Um, so that's a muscle that just definitely uh, strains a little bit for me <laughs> when I start doing it. Um, and the other sort of major challenge, and I think a lot of other artists will be able to kind of agree with this as well, is just that it's it's um, it's a huge amount of physical labor. Uh, comics are drawing illustration, but on a very large scale compared to doing just a one-off drawing, you know, uh, you are drawing multiple things and, uh, you know, trying to convey so many different, uh, thoughts and emotions and emotions and motions. Um, you know, you're telling a whole story on a page and that, that tends to involve kind of a lot more, a lot more drafting and a lot more drawing than a simple like one-off illustration. So, um, Comics are like an interesting and challenging headspace, and they're also just they're they're a little bit tough, you know. <laughs> they're they're really they're they are a a marathon Absolutely. experience. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, Riley. Let me let me toss the same question over to you, but in the writing dimension, what what is the biggest writing challenge that you've had or that you still have and you're confronting? You know, I think uh, for me, like uh, it's the biggest challenge can be humor and whether or not it works. Because sometimes like you get a, you know, a joke or a thought in your head and then it just doesn't, you know, translate into words as well as you. And then, yeah. And then like, you know, sometimes like, you know, humor is it's subjective. You have an audience and you might know like, okay, I know so many people will get this and so many people will find it, uh, find it funny but how many of those people are going to read your comic and how many people who don't find that kind of joke funny are going to read it. And so, you know, I always try to have, you know, a strong sense of humor in anything I write. And so it's just a matter of nailing down the right tone and, you know, just, and then, you know, when it comes into art, if it's a physical joke, you don't know if it's going to translate as well. You know, you uh, working with the artist, you can set things up to be like, you know, this person falling down, you know, it's going to be a big joke. And, you know, is it going to, are they going to draw it the right way? Are they going to try and take it a different, you know, direction? And so even, you know, that can, you know, present all sorts of different problems, but then just in dialogue alone, uh, I spend a lot of time kind of, you know, sweating a joke after the fact of like, did that work? Is it just stupid? You know, I never try to be offensive, but is something going to come across as offensive indirectly? You know, it's it's just uh, the kind of thing where you, sometimes I think like I should just write nothing but flat, boring, you know, cliche jokes just to be safe. But then you know that's not fun. Um, so yeah, for me that's always the biggest challenge is whether or not humor works and if it's going to appeal to everyone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's 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 extraordinarily difficult to gauge if 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 something humorous is working in comics versus other forms of writing. Um, so I, I definitely agree there. Um, one last question in this uh, sort of general comics section. Um, let me let me start with you, Dalen. Uh, 
what is one of or some of the hardest lessons you've learned in comics so far? Oh, ooh, um, okay. Well, it's definitely, for me, uh, I am a people pleaser who doesn't say no to anything. So uh, a big one for me has been, uh, the hardest lesson has been to learn to pace myself um, mm -hmm. and to, uh, you know, be choosy about what I say yes to and when I say yes to it and when I can deliver it. Um, comics is an industry that's really rife with burnout and I've definitely been touched with that. Um, but, uh, it's sure been like a valuable lesson. Uh, comics is a really interesting and collaborative space. Uh, and those experiences are really amazing, but you definitely have to, you have to, you, you do just by, by virtue of working in comics, everybody learns very quickly to be careful about who they get into bed with, you know? Yeah. And you, you have to learn how to give yourself permission to say no. Yes. Uh, oh, so much. And um, as, as, a, as a writer who uh, has sought out multiple, multiple, multiple collaborations, I, I have to say that receiving a prompt, direct, clear no is actually one of my most favorite responses yeah because... you know it just it frees you up um and you know it's one of the things for me especially um the hardest part was learning to say no to my friends uh because comics is such a small industry you know you make friends with everyone like you you build a small community around you and it's people who you care about and trust and you believe in their projects and you want to see them succeed and so it's so easy to fall into this thing where somebody hits you up and you're friends with them and they're like hey do you want to do this thing and of course you want to be like yes i love you i love this i i'm excited but then you know you have to look back at your schedule and figure out like wait can i actually say yes to this or am i setting us both up for an issue if i do um yeah so that's been a really, really valuable skill is learning how to lovingly tell myself and the people around me know. Yes, yeah. yes. It's so appreciated. Yeah. It can have like its own kind of like it's got its own set of endorphins, sort of, like at a certain point. Like just getting a reply back from somebody, even when they're telling you, like, no, I don't have time for this. It's just like it's great to hear back from you. Thank you. Yeah, just like, oh God, okay, cool. I can just keep going now. <laughs> So same question for you, Riley. What what are some of the hardest lessons you've learned in comics so far? Uh, it's really uh, managing expectations uh, for me. Like, you know, once things start going well, you think like, all right, this, you know, pages are coming in. Uh, people have said yes to the project. I'm, I'm feeling good. People I've shown it to, they seem to like it. You think that, you know, once you start getting going on that, you think that's going to last and, you know, just because a book may have been picked up by a publisher and you have a collaborator, that's, you know, not the end of the, of the journey at all. There are still so many other things. And for me, I've really been struggling with kind of like with the business side of comics and the marketing, mm -hmm. like that's been really hard. And then, I mean, of course, like it's hard for me to, I don't have a frame of reference for releasing a comic in a good year. Um, releasing one in 2020, you know, presented a lot of unique challenges that were specific to the the pandemic and whatnot. Um, and so like, that was really hard. And, you know, there were a lot of times where, you know, 
both due to, you know, the factors of 2020 and then just regular, uh, you know, comics, publishing, distribution. There were just so many times where I was just like, why do I have to do this? Like, why (laughs) this is happening to me and only to me. Um, uh, And then, yeah, so just I had to get past that and realize, like, no, this is just how it is. This is happening for everyone. And it's really not as difficult as it seems sometimes. And, you know, kind of moving past the small, like, you know, the bumps that come, you know, later down the road that you're not expecting every, you know, I was expecting, you know, rejection and, you know, maybe getting, you know, ghosted from collaborators, things like that. I was always ready for that. But then some of the tougher stuff, like dealing with the distributor at uh, distribution delays, things like that, you know, I wasn't always prepared for that. And, you know, I, I had some pretty tough times uh, dealing with some of those things. People always say that comics will break your heart, and it's 100% true. No, absolutely. Yeah, there were. <laughs> Jack was right. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the pandemic experience for us is kind of like being, you know, forged in fire. Yeah. And that if, if and when the, the world returns to a, a semi normalcy, um, everything will seem uh, like we're playing a game on easy mode or something. I've thought I've thought about that too. I've I've told myself that like if I can you know if I can get a comic out there in stores during a pandemic, I can do it during you know during better times. Indeed, indeed. So, so speaking of sending comics out into the world, let's talk about Miranda in the Maelstrom. Uh, give us give us the elevator pitch for Miranda in the Maelstrom. Well. Uh, the Maelstrom is a supernatural storm that travels between dimensions, displacing beings and objects. Miranda Sherbert is a young alien who travels the storm with her uh, amalgam shark dog noodles, and they use the storm as a means of travel and adventure. And the series has a unique uh, aspect to um, how it's how the team is structured. Uh, tell Tell me a little bit about how the collaborators uh enter the picture in the in the in the miniseries yeah so um as miranda and noodles travel to new dimensions the art changes uh to showcase them going to a new uh new world new dimension so we switch to a different artist to kind of reflect uh reflect that change and kind of you know bring a different new look and then kind of give each world an issue like a different genre feel a different art style to kind of you know, reflect the many, you know, different places within the multiverse and then all the things that you can do with comics. It seemed like a great way to kind of, you know, tell a different story every time, but with the same consistency of, you know, these two characters. But, you know, one issue, they're in a wasteland. The next, you know, it's a pirate story. Then we jump to, you know, workplace, you know, shenanigans. So the idea is just that, you know, she can go anywhere, do anything. And, you know, with all the different, you know, art styles that can exist in comics, we can really play around with that. We can do traditional, we can do kind of, you know, more manga style, we can do storybook styles. And so that was really the fun for uh, for me and kind of writing the story was getting to do something different in each issue and then finding, you know, artists whose uh, style reflect, uh, reflect the different worlds. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So question for both of you guys. Um, how did you guys link up uh, for this project in particular? Oh, so Riley actually cold emailed me, um, which is uh, something that doesn't happen to me very often. Um so how did how did you become aware of her work? Well, um, you know, I had like a, a Twitter that I didn't use for a really long time. Like I just set it up, didn't use it. And then when I got interested in making comics and more serious about it, uh, I just started searching through art uh, for artists through Twitter and, you know, kind of found the, you know, massive artist community there. And I started following people whose styles I liked. And I think at one point there was a, I think I found a lot of people that I originally approached through the visible women hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I uh, kind of like, yeah, found a few people through there. And I, uh, you know, at some point I came across Dalen and she had uh, her webcomic, the liminal. And, you know, that was immediately like one of the first things I started looking for were people that had, you know, uh, some experience with sequentials. Like I knew I, you know, I was very open to working with newer artists and whatnot, being a newer writer myself, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, that the people I worked with, you know, had some sense of what they were doing. And when I found, you know, the liminal, I thought it was really great. Uh, I knew that like, you know, (laughs) and, you know, I knew Dalen would actually be a great fit for a couple different issues um, of the comic. So I didn't initially have her set for issue number two, but I, I know we had a conversation after after the cold emails, and uh, one of my questions for her was, what do you like drawing? And she said, uh, wolves and wastelands. And issue, two, <laughs> issue number two is called A Wolf in the Wasteland. And I'll say, <laughs> it was <laughs> very serendipitous. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, yeah, issue two um, is, is interesting in the sense that uh, it's in the flow of the story. It's, it's a little bit more of a backstory moment. Um, so Dalen, I think you probably had a couple of unique challenges, uh, because of that. Um, first of all, um, you're dealing with a different timeline than when we first encounter the character in issue one, issue one has both current and past as well. But then you also, you also have the challenge of, uh, trying to match a character design that another artist uh, started with. So tell us a little bit about your process and how did, how did you approach those challenges? So, you know, the nice thing about this one is just that because of the nature of the story and the way that, um, uh, the way that the the multiverse and the maelstrom works and the way that we wanted narratively for the art style to change between uh, different dimensions. Like it was, it was less of a challenge in the sense that I felt like I could really kind of lean into the idiosyncrasies that I wanted to have in my issue. Um, there were some kind nice, of major, nice. 
there were some kind of major things that needed to match up. You know, I felt like uh, any time that Riley would send me one of Koi Karyon's pages uh, from issue one, is that is that the right way to say his name? I don't think I've ever heard it said aloud. Um, I, uh, yes, I believe so. Koi? Koi? Okay. But either way, uh, anytime that Riley would send me one of his pages, you know, I made sure to hold on to those and be referring back to them. Um, but uh, it was always about um, kind of mirroring the recognizable elements and then really leaning into the stuff that I wanted to explore in my own issue and in my own way. Like, so I think a really big example of this is actually Noodles' design. Um, he looks very different in my issue, I think, compared to the other ones. And um, it was because, like, I have uh, I have a background in, in animal art and creature design type stuff. And so when Riley approached me and was like, he's a shark corgi, I was like, well, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows he is a <laughs> shark and a corgi <laughs> as much as possible. Um, so it was just like... Um, it was a it was a challenge in the sense that you know you really did want to make sure that everything read correctly and was recognizable, um, but I didn't feel like I was constrained by that. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, that makes complete sense. Yes. There was like you know there was like some major notes that you wanted to hit, but other than that, it was really kind of a free for all, and that yeah, was really fun. And I was never like too uh, too strict about like you know trying to like line up the designs to be like so perfectly in sync like as long as the characters were recognizable and still like you know could be identified by anyone picking up at you know one issue to the next uh i enjoyed the fact that like you know there are some pretty big differences between the way dalen draws noodles and the way koi draws noodles and our other artists do it and you know if i had really it wouldn't have worked if i had been you know too fancy about you know them matching up perfectly because we had artists you know working at, on the book at different times like i couldn't always send someone a reference you know at, the, uh, at a mm -hmm. certain point like you know uh koi and dalen were working kind of you know at this at similar times but some of the other artists you know came a little bit later or earlier and didn't have those references always so uh you know i appreciate the way like you know dalen and the others took liberties you know with each other's designs so Riley, tell us a little bit about uh, just uh, the trade itself. When when is the trade coming out? The trade is currently scheduled for May twelfth. Uh, that is subject to change as it has changed before. Uh, sure. So last sure. few months, the release schedule has been a, a little wonky, um, and so right now, yeah, it's uh, May twelfth. Um, that could change. It was a few weeks ago. It was June second, but. Uh, yeah, and the the trade is the first uh, six issues, our first arc, um, and yeah, we've got uh, Koi Carrion on the first issue, Dalen on the second, Jamie Jones on number three, Drew Moss on number four, Tintin Pantoa on number five, and Drew Moss back on number six as number four and number six take place in the same dimension. That's cool. That's cool. So. Um... Let's talk a little bit about the future for both of you guys. Um, do you, either or both of you have any desires to work on any licensed properties or anything for the big two? <laughs> I mean, I would love to. Um, I'm, you know, big time, you know, 
Marvel fan, you know, tons of Marvel characters I'd love to work on. I've got like, you know, a few story ideas in the back of my head if I'm ever allowed to do anything like that. Um, there is, uh, I do have actually, I we haven't really talked about it much because, you know, it's uh, probably a ways away in terms of any possibility. But there's a story uh, in a character uh, with a Kate Kane Batwoman that I would actually love to do with Dalen someday. I think she mm-hmm. would be, an, I think she would be an awesome Batwoman artist. Uh, if you've ever read any of uh, um, Greg Rucka's uh, Batwoman run, Dalen, you should check that out. Like it's, it's really your kind of style in terms of like, kind of like the mythology and then just like, you know, Batwoman style. Like you would just be awesome drawing like her hair, <laughs> like the monster things like that. Like I, I, I plan on eventually, like I, we gotta, we gotta talk more about this someday, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely have to check it out because that does sound really cool. Um, to answer that question for myself, uh, I don't have uh, concrete high aspirations in terms of working for the big two. Uh, I try and just keep a keep an open mind to the things that come my way. But what's more important to me personally is um, to uh, tell the stories that I want to tell and to work with the people that I want to work with. And um, for me, a lot of that satisfaction does come from creator-owned stuff. Uh, versus big IP. Um, but, uh, you know, I pride myself on being flexible. I'm excited just for the the adventure that comes my way. Um, so, you know, I'm uh, not maybe, maybe not specifically aiming for any large property. Uh, but if the right opportunity came along, you know, I would happily jump on it. Cool, cool. Now, um you mentioned that liminal is currently on a hiatus. Do you have any other plans or indie projects that you can tease for us? I do. Um, so actually, uh, the liminal is coming back. Um, the, the cool part about making the liminal is that it proved to people that I could make comics. And the drawback of making the liminal is that it proved to people that I could make comics. And so I started making <laughs> comics for other people and then I didn't have any time to make them for myself. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to get back to that. Um, I actually just brought on an editor. His name is uh, Noah Sharma. And uh, the notes that he has to give me about the story have been absolutely killer. So I am just like raring to get back to that and uh, hoping to bring it back this summer. I I hit a small snag because uh, my dog passed away recently. And so I'm all kind of in flux right now. Um, But uh, hoping to hit the ground running again um, as I, you know, take a little bit of time to myself to recover. Uh, And then uh, my other major indie project that's happening right now is um, it's a comic called Whiff Wolf. Uh, I'm working on it with um, my my two friends, uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly of uh, Star Trek Year 5 fame. They've also worked on uh, Grayson and uh, Joyride and Hacktivist. Uh, they're two really, really great guys. And um, Whiff Wolf is, uh, it's a book that feels like the illustrations that I do for my own personal gratification. It's very dark. It's very witchy. It's very mythological. It's very, um, like free form. Uh, and so I, I'm really, really excited to start sharing that with people as well, because it is, uh, 
probably the most me book of my entire career, which is interesting considering uh, it's not the book that I also write. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. That does sound that sounds amazing. I, I'm 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 definitely going to keep my eyes open for when that happens. Please do. Um, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a time. <laughs> yeah, a I've time. seen some. I've seen some of the art for that, and I'm excited for that too. Riley, same question for you. What uh, is there anything you can tease for us uh, in the uh, in the pipeline? Um, nothing that I can announce really at the moment. Um, I do have another story that uh, I'm working on with uh, our the editor on uh, Miranda, Brittany Matter. Um, I'm going to be sending her uh, a new story soon, and. I'm excited about that. It's more, uh, it's going to be, it's like more of a, I'm not sure how much of it I should really talk about, but it's more of a detective, more mature, darker story. Definitely different than Miranda. Uh, not going to be, not going to be the all ages type and, uh, very, uh, very celebrity influenced. This is kind of my take on a good tease for it is law and order celebrities. Oh, that does sound cool. That does that's sound cool. that's yeah. That's what I'm working on now. And considering you know how well things worked out uh, with Brittany working on Miranda, um, you know, I you know we'll, I think we'll be seeing it sooner than later. That's great. That's great. So uh, one question that I always ask everyone uh, is, what is on your radar? What what are some things that you're either reading or listening to or watching that uh, you're really enjoying and you can recommend? For everyone, uh, how about how about we start with Daylin? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, let me think. What have I What have I read recently? Um, so, I actually just picked up uh, Witch Blood by uh, Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Starl, uh, and enjoyed that wildly. I got some uh, advanced reader copies from it, and I think anybody who picks up that book is going to be in for a really fun ride, uh, especially if you are listening to this and you're a fan of my work. Um, you will probably have a really, really great time with this uh, Wild West, uh, Wild West witchy, uh, witchy magic modern story. I don't even know how to describe it, but it is really, really fun. Um, let me think. Another one that I've been reading recently was uh, the uh, the Eighth Immortal by uh, Jacob Murray and oh gosh, who is the artist on that? I feel like a jerk. Um, I know that Tiffany Terrell is doing the the covers for it, and they're all uh, really, really, really gorgeous and phenomenal. Um, but that one is also like that one's also been a really interesting, fun book to to follow. Um, and it's uh, it's always such a pleasure, you know, to get to to peek behind the curtain at. Uh, books done by friends and and past collaborators and just see you know what they're what they're up to and what they have coming for people and and uh get to uh <laughs> hype them up and hopefully hopefully build excitement for them um i'm going to find her the artist's name real fast uh it's alice lee barnes I'm so okay. sorry, Alice. We've never met, so I don't. I didn't. I didn't remember your name right offhand. But her work is really cool. Uh, it's like black and white with uh, spot color, and color like bleeds in narratively, narratively depending on like what's happening on the page. It's super rad. Cool, cool. How about you, Riley? What uh, What are some things you're reading or watching or listening to? Uh, one of my favorite uh, 
comics out right now is uh, Knock 'em Dead from uh, Elliot uh, Raul. I'm, I'm not sure if I got that, that name right. Elliot Raul, uh, Mattia Monaco, and then uh, Taylor Esposito, who is the letterer on uh, Miranda and also our logo designer. Uh, Yay, Taylor. Um, yeah, um, it's from Aftershock, and it's kind of like this, you know, take on like stand up comedy where you know a stand-up who's not very good uh allows himself to be possessed by you know the spirit of dead comedians including like uh 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 blenny bruce was in the last uh issue and you know it's like a horror mixed uh, a horror comedy and you know uh, i was recently trying to work on a horror story myself and i just found like horror is really ripe with a lot of cliches like it's a very accepted part of a lot of horror stories but this book really manages to avoid them and do a lot of do, uh, new and different things and it's it's funny like i mentioned earlier like humor especially in comics is is difficult but this one's doing a really good job especially on the subject of like stand-up like you know how are you going to write stand-up jokes for a comic and yeah. you know this this comic finds a, a really good way to do that um and yeah i think it's they're just about almost finished uh on the run for issue five is i think in a week or so and i can't recommend that one enough um i also really have been digging a uh, scout's honor by david pose um and those have been some of my favorite uh comics that i've been reading uh lately but uh yeah, uh, aside from that, the only other book I was reading was I just finished a uh, uh, Star Wars novel by Charles Soule, the, you know, the, uh, their new oh, yeah. there. I, I uh, finished that the other day, and that was pretty cool. Very cool, very cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying Miranda in the Maelstrom, and I'm looking forward to the trade coming out. Um, real quickly, why don't you guys tell us how to find you on social media uh Daylin, how do we find you on social media okay uh well i am first of all thank you for having us this was really fun uh but uh i am um most active on uh twitter uh my handle is just at Daylin ogden it's my name uh no spaces or anything uh but uh you can also find me on instagram at uh, at Daylin Daylin, which is just my name my first name twice uh those are kind of the two major uh, ways to follow my work on social media. And then um, kind of the third way to have a look at what I'm doing at any given time is just to check out my website, which is dalenogdenillustration.com. Cool, cool. And Riley, how can we find you? Uh, you can just find me on Twitter at Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, D as in dog, B-I-E-H-L. Uh, and yeah, I'm, you know, not the, the most active, but that is where I, you know, announce comics and, uh, all that. So that's where you can find me online. That's great. Well, guys, thanks again so much for coming onto the show. Thank you all so right. much for having us. This was a yeah, pleasure. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.